Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Rogers has now said they will compensate their customers with the equivalent of five days of service in a response to what happened last Friday. So I guess, you know, it depends on how much you pay per month. Figure out, oh, you can do the math. You're going to have to pay one-sixth of your bill will be coming back to you. A reminder, all kinds of warnings out from all kinds of police agencies. You do not have to do anything, okay? Um, The CEO, Tony Staffieri, said that uh, the credit will automatically be applied to your account. So if you're getting a text, if you're getting a call, if you're getting an email, anything like that telling you to do this to get your Rogers rebate, ignore it. It's, It's a scam, okay? You don't have to do anything. Should be on next month's bill, according to the CEO. In some instances, may take a little longer, depending on how it goes. Now there's a class action lawsuit that has also been filed. Some some discussion around whether or not that'll actually get off the ground. And then, of course, there's the other angle of this, which is businesses, you know, that rely on Interact and all that, because all that was down too. It was, you know, what about people who work from home? How much did they lose over the course of the day? So it's not just a matter of cell service gone down. Um, Regardless of how all that gets sorted out in terms of compensation, we know the pressure is on to try and prevent anything like this from happening again. And the clock is now ticking for Canada's telecommunications giants. An emergency meeting with uh, the industry minister on Monday, and they were given 60 days to come up with a plan to make sure that what happened on Friday doesn't happen again. It's um, the government getting themselves completely and totally involved in business here. There's no two ways about it, but that's always a little tricky. But have we proven that, at least in this instance, these businesses are they're in a special category? I mean, I don't know if we want to call it an essential service, but it's pretty close, right? A lot of essential systems went down last week. So what do we need to do to... Uh, you know, how how involved should we be? How much regulation? Should there be requirements? We're going to chat with Dr. Dwayne Winsek, who is a communications professor at Carleton University and the director of the Canadian Media Concentration Research Project. Dr. Winsek, thank you for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me, Shay. Thanks to be here. So when we take a look at this and this whole industry, and based on what we saw, you know, a couple of times over the past couple of years. Is this something where we should be welcoming more government oversight, more government involvement, regulation, just because of how dependent we are on these services? Uh, Yes, I believe that's absolutely uh, the case here and that it's justified. And essentially what we have is a small number of private corporations upon which a large number of essential uh, economic and public services depend. And in that uh, situation where markets don't uh, correspond to the kind of the textbook fantasy of free markets, it's the role of governments to step in and to make sure that these large players that have significant influence on people's lives, the economy and society, have corresponding public obligations to match. So in terms of regulation, when we're talking about you know, getting more involved and having some government regulation, like what? How would that work? Well... 
I think what we're seeing right now is the government kind of uh, going softly, and in my view, perhaps a little bit too softly, and taking a mother may I uh, approach and by setting this 60-day timeline for industry to kind of come up with its own uh, set of proposals. And, you know, this is backstopped by a set of, let's say, more formidable regulatory tools with teeth that the government has at its disposal. Uh, In particular, the Telecommunications Act gives the minister, Champagne, uh, the authority to issue an order uh, in council to direct the companies to uh, do certain things. So here he's kept that club uh, in the background, so to speak, and handed it over to industry. Whether that will work or not, we shall see. Yeah, the plan that he's come up with, you know, common sense would say this is a pretty good idea. Like if one of the providers has their network go down, we are allowed to access the other providers. And, you know, they help each other out through this situation. I don't know how open they are to it. He says they are, and they're interested in having these discussions. Does that seem like a feasible step one, at least, in, in sort of securing Canadians' access to these services? Yes. To me, I think, you know, one thing, I want to qualify my own, uh, uh, you know, ability to kind of opine on these things because I'm not an engineer. And so these are complicated yeah. uh, issues uh, that we're facing here. And so we need to be skeptical of anybody who steps forward and says, hey, I have some magic bullet uh, answer to these complex problems. But um, that said, um, yes, it does seem like a, a decent first start. Uh, and that we have the ability to immediately or very quickly and easily and seamlessly fall back on a rival carrier. Um, now, putting the, uh, the measures in place are going to need to distinguish between very large institutional users like the banks that provide Interact services and government that provides uh, 9-11 emergency services and, uh, you know, visa uh, services and so on versus your, you know, everyday uh, resident. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Potential user. Now, with the government coming out and saying you have 60 days to come back with a plan, um, you know, you talked about this earlier in terms of what the government can do. Uh, you know, they're, they're making these demands and they do have a chance to throw a bit of weight around. But can they, can they enforce this? I mean, do we have a framework in place where the government can actually dictate things like this to these companies or are they just asking nicely? Um, well, as I said right now, they are taking the, in my view, uh, two-week approach, a yeah. mother-may-I approach. Uh, and they do have uh, stronger regulatory tools with teeth uh, in the uh, toolbox, and that does include, as I said, 
the order and counsel uh, uh, measures in the Telecommunications Act, where the government doesn't have to say, you know, can you please come up with in 60 days, they order them to come up with. They can also use future spectrum auctions to impose conditions on license or conditions of license. So these companies are not, um, you know, voluntarily coming up with solutions, but as a condition of their license, getting access to the spectrum that they need to provide mobile wireless services, smartphone services, um, they have to uh, provide these kinds of fallback positions. There are a million and one other tools in there too. There's so much lobbying that takes place uh, in this area around important bills that are now on the table in government and some of which are close to passing. The Online Streaming Act, the Online News Mm -hmm. Act, Online Arms, Privacy Act and so on. Well, the government could just kind of, you know, stop taking their calls uh, to impress upon them the need uh, for these, you know, small number of private players with enormous clout over society's communication services to do what they need to do. We always hear from uh, all corners that the answer to all of this is competition. We need more competition. That's why we pay so much. That's why we're so dependent on one or two providers. Um, first of all, do you agree with that? Is competition sort of at the the root of all evils when it comes to telecommunications in Canada? And and why do we have such limited competition? Right. Yeah, I, in this particular case, I don't think uh, the idea of uh, competition and more competition is the uh, um, solution to all that ails us. You know, these uh, services are not concentrated uh, by accident. There is long-standing reasons why we have concentrated communication markets. It's extremely expensive to build out the mobile wireless and fixed internet access networks that people rely on to use these essential uh, services, and they are prone uh, to monopoly or high levels of concentration. And I think the key thing here is that we need to recognize these realities and act accordingly. As I said at the very beginning, the problem is that regardless of what we might want, we're always going to have a situation where these essential communication services that are important to, you know, across the economy and society and people's day-to-day lives all depend upon a small number of private companies to deliver them. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, we need to have public obligations to match that clout and that reality and, you know, then let the market rip uh, insofar that it can do that. And, it, you know, the barriers, the geography and the population, I mean, is that that's what we constantly hear? Is that is that the first thing and that's where the government gets involved and helps out on that front? To my mind, um, I believe that those are red herrings. Oh, really? uh, there's no doubt that Canada has a very large uh, land mass. But the equally important consideration and more important consideration in my mind is that Canada has an extraordinary high per- percentage of its population living in a small number of very large cities. I can't remember what the numbers are exactly, but it's something like 60% or something like that that live in the top five cities in Canada. And so that's a very, very high uh, uh, percentage of the population living in a a, a very small number of big cities. And what that means is that the economics of providing communication services are actually quite favorable in this country compared to those where the population is more dispersed. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, you don't hear that very often. Um, Okay. Uh, Great discussion. Thank you so much, Doctor. I appreciate your time.
Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate uh, speaking with you. Take care. Uh, Dr. Dwayne Winsek, a communications professor at Carleton University and the director of the Canadian Media Concentration Research Project. <laughs>